0: You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks.
1: Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome
2: to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm A.J. Richardson. I'm also here with my buddy, Jared Davis. We got a lot of talking to do about all the coaching changes, all of the players transferring. I mean, like, Jared... It feels like this last week, maybe two weeks, have just been chaotic with all this news about, oh, what's going on with the program? This coach is leaving. What's happening with this player coming or going? And it's just nuts. Like, there's a lot to talk about. Um, Jared, any kind of, like, high-level thoughts about, you know, this last couple weeks and just all of the changes going on?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll get into that in a moment. We need to talk about you uh, for just a minute. I think uh, on Sunday you had a big birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yep. and I think the people need to know. <laughs> um, it's it was a it was a milestone birthday. Um, how are you feeling?
2: Pretty good. I mean, thirty feels good. And I, I think I've been telling people it's it's not like you feel any older, but I feel like there is some significance to getting into a new decade of your life. So from that that reason, I mean it feels a little weird, but I, I don't know. We'll see what 30 has for me. And uh in my 30s. I I don't know. we we'll see what, what happens, but I'm excited about it and uh so far so
1: good. Well happy, happy late birthday, sir. Um yeah. as far as what's going on at Auburn, yeah, I mean there there's a lot. Um there's no off season anymore with transfer portals. And, you know, we also had some coaching changes. I think now that the changes have been made, people will probably calm down just a little bit. Everybody was in panic mode there for a while. And we'll get into whether, you know, those were good or bad or why they may have happened. But I think all in all, uh, it's pretty on par with what's going on with most teams across the country, uh, honestly.
2: Yeah, I mean, the number that I keep seeing around, there, there's – there's lots of teams out there that have had 10 plus t- you know, players transfer out. I mean, just in the sec, I think there's like 10 of 14 of the sec teams have had 10 or more players transfer out. And that, that just kind of shows you, I mean, yeah, we're in this you know, Auburn bubble. We, we think only or mostly about Auburn football and that's what we see. And this is something that's not just happening at Auburn. It's happening at lots of other schools. Um, so like, from that perspective kind of helps me when it felt like there were days where you'd hear like two or three players or like, you know, every single day, a new player is transferring out and you're like, what is going on? Like something is happening. Um, and that's just kind of my, you know, my gut reaction. wouldn't shock me, Jared. Is that kind of your reaction when you start seeing like the wave of players that are leaving like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a new it's a new thing. Everybody's trying to learn. And there's a couple of things that Auburn – everybody's working against one of these. The other one is, is because Auburn hired a new coach last year. So, this would have happened last year if this would have already been in place. Most of the guys that we lost, Harson did not recruit. Um, so, that's pretty common. New coach comes in. If they had the freedom to leave – and they did last year, but it was still new and wasn't even official, I don't think. People were doing it hoping it would be official – yeah. So it's basically trickled over from what would have happened last year. The other thing is that anybody that was already on a roster did not get to pocket or benefit from NIL options. Yeah. And so they have basically put themselves on the market, possibly hoping to reap some money from NIL deals, which they could get from Auburn, even staying on Auburn's roster, they could get from, you know, boosters at Auburn. But I think that's created another reason for some people that were already on a team to possibly think about leaving. Um, I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure that's why Caleb Williams left Oklahoma. Um, He was on last year before the NIL deal, and he's like, listen, I need to pocket from that. And If the rumors of what he's potentially worth are true, I don't blame him.
2: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a point that I feel like not many people are talking about is the NIL kind of factor in here. Because people see, you know, the transfer portal has been around for a few years and people have been transferring in and out of schools back and forth all the time. But I feel like the NIL stuff kind of ratches it up just a little bit more. Um, and, and kind of on top of that, I mean, let's kind of go back to a little bit of the kind of tie these two topics together of you know players transferring and the coaching changes. I feel like the the coaching change, I mean, we had a whole changeover of staff for the most part in this last year. A lot of players honestly stuck it out this last year for the 2021 season and that I feel like helped us but I think some of these players a lot of them that are leaving are kind of saying you know this is where I'm at on the depth chart I'm not going to be able to get enough play time that I want so I'm going to transfer out and so you know the, the coaches and players are kind of learning each other and figuring things out and Again, I, I think I don't think this is just purely an Auburn thing. I think this is a probably a nationwide thing uh, because there, there's a lot of players going and coming, coaches you know switching around, and it, it's just bound to happen. Um, I, I try, I, I've been trying my best to not freak out every time I see a new headline. Oh, Auburn just lost a you know defensive line coach, or we lost a you know our top receiver like those are big headlines you know but we we've done i mean i'm, I'm kind of looking at you know basketball right now i don't know about you jared but like i look at our basketball roster you know in the age of the transfer portal what i think what is it like three of our starting lineup in basketball three of the five guys are transfers i mean it's kind of the new nature of this like you bring some guys in some go by attrition it just happens i mean you have any thoughts on, on kind of where that's at and why the transfer stuff happens? Uh, it just seems like it happens a lot more now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it, you know, it's co- it's common to panic a little bit when players leave because you're like, uh-oh, you know, what's going to happen now and this and that. But you're right. I mean, it's happening everywhere. And yeah, our basketball team benefited from it. So I think what everybody needs to remember, and we may not this year, but Auburn can figure this thing out and use it to their benefit. Everybody that I'm seeing is like, oh, we're doomed. We're doomed. You know, uh, you know. again, Auburn and, or Bama and Georgia and better positions. Um, I think this could help even, even the playing field because if Bama and Georgia and now A&M are every year going to land in one, two, three recruitment classes, those, there's only so many spots. Right. So those guys are only going to hang around a year or two if they're not playing. So mm-hmm. that opens them up to go other places. And as far as recruiting goes, this kind of evens the playing field with the NIL deal. If we figure that out, um, then that allows us to utilize that to bring in top-notch players. Um, So don't think of this totally as negative would be my main point. We may not get the guys we need this transfer cycle, um, and we may struggle next year, but it's not meant that it's doomed forever <laughs> we yeah. can figure this out just as basketball like you said figured it out and three of our five starters were not on auburn drawster last year
2: right and and you see the success obviously of auburn basketball i mean it, it i know under, I mean, don't don't get me wrong i understand basketball there's less players involved in football i understand that part <laughs> like i'm not saying that but i'm just kind of proving a point that the transfer portal is a real thing that happens on a consistent basis, regardless of football, basketball, it happens at, at all levels. And this is something
1: that, uh, you know, we're having to deal with. Um, And, it, you know, go ahead. Well, you make a point about basketball is a smaller roster, no doubt, but Auburn has, an, so we were more consistent quarterback play and, even a number one option at receiver last year away from probably winning 10 games. So like the foundation, even as our, our lines, not great, but everything's good enough to where if you bring in one or two players that are really good, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Just how basketball, you know, you don't have to, (laughs) the foundation and the really good players is so much smaller. You got to have the foundation and we have some foundational pieces. The problem is we have not done that. So you could argue we have not. I, I can make the argument that Calzada could wind up being a really good quarterback. He beat Alabama last year. Yeah. Um, you could make that argument. He throws a nice deep ball. Um, he goes through progressions well. He had a lot of drops in the game that we played. His team, I know, is tight end. I can still picture his tight end drop four passes. Um, so he had a lot of battles that Bo had. Um, so I can make the argument that we're at least equal there, potentially, and maybe better depending on deep ball. Receiver wise, we're not better. We lost our only potential number one, in my opinion, and we have not addressed that. So that is a little worrisome, but it doesn't mean we're not going to address it. We're not going to fix it. It also doesn't mean that one of the high school receivers coming in won't fill that void because Seth Williams played fantastic as a true freshman. And basically won the Texas A&M game, just him and Stidham together. So (laughs) these true freshmen can also fill that void. And we did bring in three pretty good ones.
2: Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, we don't know a whole ton about, I mean, we, we think about transfers. You know, they got some experience. But it legitimately could be in a day and age when, you know, a true freshman starting isn't out of the realm of possibility some of these wide receivers that are coming in straight out of high school, this is possible for them to come in and make a direct impact. Uh, AJ,
1: do you think you'll see more true freshmen playing now just for the simple fact of you have to keep everybody happy? Or Yeah. I mean, if I, they don't play, they're out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think so. And then, you know, what was it, just like three, four years ago where they switched it up where you don't have to burn a red shirt and you play for, what, four games? Yep. So you kind of combine both of those you will definitely see – I mean, you're seeing more and more of it, but the the coaches feel a little bit better. I mean, you're seeing the players improve in high school more than they used to just because, you know, <laughs> the way college football is, you you got to get up to speed quick. And so a lot of these high school players, you know, the best of the best ones are ready to go when they are 18 and freshmen in, in, in college. Um, Jared, I did kind of want to – this kind of, again, ties back to this recruiting kind of talk that we, we've we kind of talked about. But I did want to talk about why does – why does it seem like, you know, defense seems to land recruits and even transfers uh, kind of – I mean, it just seems like a lot more than the offensive side of it. Any kind of thoughts on why defense seems to be kind of winning, quote-unquote, the battle of – getting recruits versus our our offensive side of the ball
1: yeah i think it's probably multifaceted in the sense of the defense has been pretty good for about you know six seven years um so there's a structure there there's a uh, even though we're different coaches there's a video you can put on you know film and show hey here's what we can do i think the alabama game has a big part i think the way we played in that game we dominated uh, alabama's offensive line they couldn't move the ball on us So I think that was great film to put out there. Um, And, you know, I I do think we probably have better recruiters on the defensive side of the ball. So that helps as well. Uh, Offensively, it's been a little bit of a mess (laughs) at Auburn, honestly, probably since 2017. It has not been great. Um, We've been battling the same struggles with offensive line and, you know, consistent quarterback play. And I like Bo a lot, and I wish Bo was still on our team. But you can't argue there were – some inconsistencies there so you know I think it's a combination of that and I don't know that our best recruiters are on the offensive side if I'm being honest and I don't have any inside intel but from what you hear our stud recruit people are on the defensive side of the ball so that's just a natural built-in advantage
2: no that's a good point I mean I feel like it is um the same as you I don't necessarily say I mean have the facts to back up what the defensive side of the recruits are doing but I mean, another factor that kind of I think about is when you have success on one side of the ball, say, you know, Auburn had, you know, 2013, 2017, we had great offensive years. I think other players look at that and say, that's a great system. That's a good coaching staff to to play under. And it's easier to recruit those guys versus, hey, Auburn's had a, a rough year on offense. And you may not be able to get the top recruits that you really want. And and it's kind of the opposite on defense. I mean, we've had some really good defenses over the last five years, and that's easy to kind of sell. You sell the product of, hey, come into our system. We're good. We are tough. We we can fit you in well into our system. That's something that players want to hear. And I, I think that has a part of why defense seems to kind of, you know, Tipping the scales to yeah, we're getting a lot of good, you know, recruits, but also transfers over kind of our offense, um, which, I mean, that's that's just kind of where we're at. And until we start, I feel like providing enough film of good offense, I, I feel like it, we may struggle a little bit with the recruiting, unless you know we hit this juggernaut, uh, you know, combination of players, or you know have this amazing uh, amazing, amazing coach that comes in and just, you know, gets everybody
1: wanting to come to Auburn. Yeah, I agree, man.
2: All right. So, uh, let's also talk about, I mean, kind of what's been going on with Derek Mason I feel like we've kind of mentioned it. Um, but I mean, this is at least at this point Mason's gone, Derek Mason's gone, and it looks like Schmetting's going to be our quarter our defensive, uh, coordinator, And that's uh, a pretty big change. I mean, like – I mean, Jared, at any point during this last season, did you want
1: Derek Mason fired? (laughs) Just be honest. Um, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'll be honest. I did not look at any point in the game, any season, and say, I think this particular coach needs to go except the Mississippi State game. And I said the whole staff needed to go. Dude, that was a rough one. Yeah, I think that was a whole – team effort you don't blow that big of a lead without it being a team effort so i looked at that game and i'm like hey you all need to go obviously i was frustrated in the moment but you know i mean were there times that i wanted mason to do something different yeah um but it wasn't ever a moment of like he absolutely needs to go and then after the bama game i was you know thrilled that we were going to have him for another year or so i yeah. thought so well and i i think i saw improvement on uh, if anything from
2: Derek mason like he went from, you know, the the players not really knowing how to run zone, which is a lot of what Derek Mason does, to hey, we might run a little bit of man. Which for, I mean, we know that some of our players just play a lot better in man. And so, like Derek Mason was kind of figuring things out. He was improving the the way he was calling games. It was obvious, especially in the Iron Bowl, he figured out how to stop Alabama. He gave other teams the formula of how to do that. And, I mean, he, he seemed like he he kind of knew what he was doing on the defensive side of the ball. And it's just kind of interesting. I mean, like, I know you don't fire a coach over one game, but it was kind of like, you know, a few games here and there that, you know, we questioned what Derek Mason was doing. And I, I don't know what happened behind closed doors, but it seems like there, there was something going on and Derek Mason stuck around for a little bit. Um, Any other kind of thoughts on, you know, what happened with that, and do you think this change will work
1: out? Yeah, um, you know, you and I are not insiders. We're just fans. But I have read enough from people who claim to be in the know and usually have some truth to what they say as it unfolds. Um, This has been in the works for a little while, and it's not a surprise to Harson or anyone else not a surprise to Mason. Um, apparently it was, there's, there's rumors all over the place from what I can gather is that this was not a big issue between Mason and Harson. This was a difference in philosophy and I think they both agreed that it was possibly too big of a difference to, you know, or, or why try to continue on? You could continue on. Cause I don't think they disliked each other. I think they respect mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. But I also think Harson realizes, um, He doesn't have long here. (laughs) And so if they're way off on philosophy, you know, I understand why Harston would be a little anxious and kudos to Mason. If this part's true, because apparently it's been in the works, but Mason agreed to stay on through the recruiting cycle, which come the 19th that just passed essentially any transfer that was going to come right now is done because they can't get on for spring practice anymore. Yeah. Um, Mason apparently stayed on and promised to do that and be a team player. And he also convinced like Derek Hall, uh, Colby Wooden, those guys to come back. Like that's pretty awesome if that's true because he easily could have gone ahead and moved on. Don't know if it is. I've heard that multiple times now. And if he did that, uh, tip my hat to him, I got no hard feelings towards Mason. Um, I think we were a pretty good defense by the end of the year and they were not the reason we lost five in a row. Um, they were the reason we lost one. <laughs> Mississippi State was bad, right? But other than that, they were not the reason we lost, and they really were the reason we were in most games.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think without our defense, we would have, we would have definitely had a worse record than six and seven. And and that's, I mean, I, I feel like any Auburn fan would have said that. Um, just with how our offense was just not moving down the field, and and I mean, honestly, I I like Derek Mason. I, I thought, you know, this is going to be a great hire. It turned out to be a pretty good hire, not a great hire, but a pretty good hire. And he, he was able to go out and get some huge guys in the recruiting trail. And again, kind of credit if that's true, that he kind of stuck around uh, just to you know have some semblance of a recruiting class. You know, he stayed on, we got the big guys that we wanted. And uh, I think that's going to pay off in the long run. Um, Jared, I did want to get your thoughts on uh, Schmetting and him becoming the new defensive coordinator and uh, what that, that's kind of shaping up to be. Uh, any thoughts on, on him and what you think uh, that change will look like?
1: Yeah, I don't know a lot about him. I mean, he, I think he was at Eastern Washington for a while and then he was uh, Harson's coordinator at Boise for two years. Um, I think he's got potential. He's a young guy. I think he probably is semi-well-respected. His scheme apparently is a lot more simplistic than Mason. Mason was basically, you know, coaching an NFL-type scheme. Um, You know, and if that works, it's great. Um, I think Schmetting's is a little more simplistic, which as long as – I mean, in college, literally, like, know your role and then tackle. I mean, most teams you play, okay? Know your role and tackle you can get all complex if you want to. And occasionally you need to on certain plays on a third and something, but you don't have to be overcomplicated. Just make sure everybody knows where they need to be and then tackle. Yeah. And that's really what Kevin Steele brought to the program was we were terrible at tackling and then Steele brought that. And we've been good at tackling ever since he came. So um, that's the biggie. So I think that as long as he can bring in guys, recruits, then we're going to be okay. I think that I think it'll work out, but you know, only time will tell, but, he had a major hand and role in the defense already. Um, and I think that might have been a little bit of Mason's, you know, not not beef or deal, but I think he wasn't – he didn't have the full autonomy that he probably wanted, as most people would want right, um, with well, his resume.
2: Well, and, I mean, I was thinking about this. Derek Mason comes from being a head coach for a handful of years and essentially gets demoted to defensive coordinator – he's got a, I mean, that's a hard change in mindset for anybody being, being the guy to now being kind of the right-hand guy to the head coach. That's a difference in mindset difference in how you, you need to coach and your focus. Um, and I mean, that, that could have also been part of it. Um, just adjusting back to that.
0: Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash e 2 c Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster exclusive communications and bonus content that is available nowhere else if you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one please head on over to patreon.com slash e2c network to join the e2c network booster club you can also get there by going to our website e2c support whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode.
2: I think it also helps my, my understanding about Schmetting coming on because I think from, from what we're hearing, he seems like it's, you know, it's Harson's guy. He's, he's been around Harson for a while. He knows him. And like you said, the the timeline I mean is pretty short. I mean, not that Harson has a super short lease or anything right now, but Harson knows if he doesn't perform in what, 2-3 seasons, uh, the donors are going to come after him, the fans are going to come after him, and the so they're going to have to make some changes. So, he knows this is when he's got to start, you know, performing on both sides of the ball. And I think the way he's, you know, betting on himself and betting on what he does is having his guy schmetting um and and from what we hear you know like you said the players like him which i think is a key thing um and there there's some good players that have some really good respect for him
1: yeah i mean i heard zachobie mcclein being interviewed and um you know he was talking about several coaches and he talked he said the right thing about every coach but it was the way he said it about schmetting you could hear him Perk up. And this was before this ever went down. Like this wasn't like, hey, is Schmetting gonna be a good Nobody knew this was going on. He was just yeah. talking about his linebackers coach. Um and his his tone changed. He perked up and I noticed that because I didn't know much about Schmetting And I was like, okay, what do the players think? Um so apparently Zacoby had a great relationship with him. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, I think the defense has good enough players to where all the coaches can come together, create a Good enough game plan to win most games we play. Um, it's gonna re- it's gonna require the offense to to figure that piece out. That's gonna get us over the hump.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and let's talk about a little bit of offense. Let's talk about some of these new guys that have come in. Um, I mean, we know Bonex left, but look at this. We brought in Zout Calzada from Texas A and M. We brought in Robbie Ashford from Oregon. And not to mention, we already have T.J. Finley in there, Demetrius Davis. I mean, there's some good guys in our quarterback room now that legitimately we probably have a four-way kind of battle at quarterback. Um, At this point, Jared, I mean, I I want you to make a prediction. You know, we're recording this on January 23rd. Who do you think our quarterback's going to be come our football (laughs) season? First game.
1: You can't hold me to this. (laughs) If I'm totally off, we need to do like that Mission Impossible. We're look into this light, and we just make everybody forget. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be if I had to pick one, Calzada. If if I, if the top two, I think it's going to be Calzada and, and Ashford. Um, I just because these are guys that Austin Davis brought in, and although Calzada was here before Davis' the season was done, but he had already been announced. So these are guys that Austin Davis has reviewed. And said, "I think I can work with that." And so, if he sees skill set in those guys, and think about it. So Calzada beat Alabama, and he's played in a ton of SEC games. Yeah. And to be honest, watching footage of him, he is very Bo-like. He can't. He's made some good runs. He's not as athletic as Bo, but he has some similarities there. He's a gamer. I mean, he. I mean, he got a shoulder knocked out. They popped it in. Oh my! Came gosh. back in. He got an ankle issue. He came back in. So he's a gamer. Robbie Ashford is like 6'4", 220, and is very athletic. So I think you can work with that too. So I think those two are probably the – would be my lead candidates. Do you know – what are your thoughts on them?
2: Yeah. I I see your point on Zach Calzada. I mean, I can legitimately see that. I'm just curious to see how Austin Davis kind of views somebody like TJ Finley, who has now had experience at both LSU – And Auburn as starting quarterback. And and I think that if he can fit TJ Finley into that, I could easily see TJ Finley continuing to take the charge. Will that make some Auburn fans mad? Eh, Probably. I mean, it might make me (laughs) mad no matter
1: what. If it's not Cam Newton, oh my gosh. Quarterback one, there's gonna be Auburn fans mad. So I can't worry about that.
2: That is so true. Um, I mean and, and hey, quarterback position is a hard position to get consistently good and I mean even the best of the best still have bad games at quarterback and I mean especially at the college level you're gonna have some bad games and anyway whoever we pick I just hope that they're able to be consistently good as much as they can. Um so I don't know I I would say either TJ Finley or Zach Calzada are kind of my my leading candidates um at least right now.
1: Here's the reality you got to be able to throw the deep ball. We've been missing that for about three or four years now, and you can go watch the national championship game. What got, you know, Georgia was struggling on offense. They hit a big pass to George Pickens, opened them up. They score on that drive. They hit another big pass later on in the game. You got to be able to go over the top of the defense. You can't go through them, not in this league, not on a consistent weekend basis. You got to find a way. And we, TJ has all the tools. Excuse me, he has all the tools. Rocket arm, smart kid. I've heard him talk. He doesn't have touch on the deep ball, and if that can be taught, I could see TJ being the starting quarterback. If that can't be taught, I don't see it happening. And I like the kid. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm rooting for him. I hope he is the guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go
1: ahead and say it. like I would love to have TJ Finley as our starting quarterback. I like him. He's a very humble kid. Listen to him talk. Very smart kid. <laughs> And he's got the tools. He's big, rocket yeah. arm. You just got to have that touch. If you don't have it, you cannot be the starting quarterback in the SEC.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of evident. I mean, we saw how at Georgia, I mean, <laughs> a walk-on turn, you know, national championship quarterback, if he's got the deep ball. I mean, it's not like Georgia is that complex in their you know, wide receiver schemes. But, hey, if you've got an open wide receiver streaking down the sideline, I mean, Stetson Bennett, he he could put it on a guy. And, I mean, that, that kind of shows you that is such a key thing in college football right now. And, you know, like you said, I hope either one of those guys that we just brought on is able to do that, or it can be taught by Austin Davis, who, hey, remember, he's a quarterback in the NFL. He's done it before. And he was a quarterback's coach uh, for the, the Seattle Seahawks. So there's lots of, you know, uh, people around our quarterbacks. It's just going to be a matter of can they learn it. Um, let's also talk about, you know, some of the, the players that we we are m- losing. I mean, we've talked about we've had, you know, over, I think now 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there, players end up leaving, um, transferring out of those, any, any of them kind of stick out to you that hurt the most
1: yeah I mean I think it's you know I think Bos the obvious um, with the just the you know the amount of games he's played and his talent level and what could be you know um, I, I would say beyond that it's got to be Kobe Hudson I mean that's already a, a weakness of ours and to lose you know probably your number one returning guy um, that that hurts. Um, I would say those are your two biggest. We've lost a lot of players. We haven't lost a lot of starters. And some of them, we lost a lot of people that probably weren't even going to be number two on the depth chart. But we did lose a lot of depth. I think the other guy that, you know, probably hurts is J.J. Pagese just because Mm -hmm. we knew what he could be. Um, But I don't think he wanted to be that. It'll be interesting to see what Ole Miss does with him. He had to be convinced to go play defense. And I've heard rumors that he – he did it he's a team player and did it but he wasn't real thrilled that's where he's going to make his money i hope he sticks with it but he wants to play offense and is what i'm being told so if that's the case it wasn't going to work out but he, he was so athletic that anywhere you put him he was going to at least provide depth and an impact
2: right yeah i mean jj obviously hurts but when you start thinking about it, he's
1: he, he is probably a depth
2: piece. He's he wasn't getting the number one reps all the time. Yeah, sure. He was getting some significant snaps in there. Um, I mean, in my mind, I think the one that hurts the most to me is Kobe and his production on in the wide receivers, like for any of our wide receivers. Like, sure, he had his bad games, but I I would take those bad games if we could get you know, a a handful more really good games where Kobe Hudson just making ridiculous passes. He's on the same page as our quarterback, you know, all that stuff. Um, And I mean, yeah, Bo Nix hurts a leaving, but at the same time, I mean, even at some points in the year, you kind of see Bo's had, you know, he's, he's had some really highs and he's had some really good, he's had a lot of lows and, you know, I know a lot of Auburn fans have kind of been, uh, off and on about we, we want to see what's behind Bo. Well, I think Bo Nix, him leaving, gives free reign, 100% open competition to our quarterbacks now. It's anybody's game. I mean, I think if Bo Nix is still with us, we probably still stick with Bo. Like, I think we do. And we might not have gone after, you know, guys like Calzada. Um, and, and that's – we probably would have just stuck with Bo and said, hey, Bo, go play your last year ball out, have some fun, and that that would have probably been it. But now we get to see other quarterbacks and see them kind of develop uh under this offense. Um I do want to talk about because I I I think we 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 want to you know a lot of times ponder on the negatives but we've had a lot of players that have come back for their sixth year in college football. Six years. Jared I, I just I mean this is <laughs> nuts. <laughs> the first time <laughs> I heard it I was like wait, somebody's legitimately been in college football for six years. And it There's wasn't strong- because of, like, you know, an injury or something. They had an injury redshirt or something. No, it's like they've played six years in college football. That's just nuts.
1: There's a possibility I could have been in college for six years, but I had nothing to do with playing football for a <laughs> few more years. D- different story for a different podcast.
2: Yeah. Oh, I was in college for five years. Hey, there you I'm go. not ashamed of it. I got an extra football season in there and basketball season. It was fun. (laughs) I got the – I think my first year in college was Bruce's uh, first year at Auburn. And, and yeah, it wasn't anything spectacular, but you saw the change. You saw the change coming. It was Bruce's charisma and, like, things like that. I don't mind saying an extra year.
1: (laughs) Bruce is amazing. I just Yeah, I, I could do a podcast on how awesome he is.
2: Right. But, I mean, let's talk about some of the guys that are stating. Um any of them that you you thought, oh, for sure, this guy's going to the NFL. We're gonna transfer <laughs> out. And yet they they decide I'm gonna stick here and I'm gonna play my sixth year because hey, COVID year, let's use it sixth year. And any of those that kind of come to mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, from the six, six year guys, you know, your offensive line and um, you know, uh your tight end, who's the tight end? I'm going blank.
2: Oh, John Samuel Schenker. Shinker
1: yeah yeah so that you know from from your extended guys who wouldn't have been able to do this without COVID that that's kind of your guys there from the people that could have gone pro um I I think without a doubt it's you know Derek Hall and Colby Wooden are the two biggest comeback guys I think third um would be Owen Papo yeah because I mean let's be honest if Owen doesn't come I mean who's who's playing linebacker you know with experience yeah um I mean, we brought in a linebacker from North Carolina in the portal, which is going to help. But, yeah, I think those are the three. The three biggest could have gone but didn't. Derek Hall, Colby Wood, and Owen Papo. The six-year guys, um, yeah, I mean, Shanker, I mean, he led the team. Did he lead the team in receiving? I know he broke the tight end record.
2: Mm, I'd have to go back and look, but he's got to be up there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he broke the record for tight end receiving yards at Auburn. Um, Very possible could break it again you know, if we get a good system going here. Um, so yeah, offensive line. I know people are like serious about them. Okay. Well, here's the deal. They were not bad last year. They just weren't great. Yeah, They were actually probably good at pass protection. They weren't great. They were good. They were just below average at run blocking. And, so, and that,
2: that still allowed tank to get over a thousand yards. He got a thousand
1: yards. Like th- if think about how bad we were, <laughs> and yeah. tank still got a thousand. So If we can open up that offense a little more with the passing game, people were putting nine in the box. We got to open up that passing game. Give these guys time. Give these guys the ability to block, you know, one-on-one versus two guys. And I think the run game could take off, too. So, And go back and look at Penn State. You know, we were running well up to that Penn State game. And I think people started realizing, okay, they can actually run the ball. We're going to shut that down and make them win with the pass, and we couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, no, they they saw how efficient we could be if we got the run game going. And hey, credit to Auburn, we had it going for a little bit. And yeah, you know, we did have a few games here and there that that did kind of prove to be really good run games, but it it did get shut down, and that definitely hurt our offense a lot. Um, and I guy, say
1: what, one more thing, real quick. So people are panicking and freaking out. Offensive linemen in the portal. Listen, we need to land some of those, but a lot of these guys are coming from your Western Kentucky. They're coming from um, like Harvard, Colgate, stuff like that. You don't know how good they're going to be. And those guys want to come play right away. So with most of our offensive line saying they're coming back for another year, you know, maybe that's not great, but I can also see why the transfers are not jumping all over us because they are thinking, Hey, I, I may not play right away. I'm going to another school. So don't panic about this being Auburn or coaching staff literally could just be a deal if they have one more year of eligibility and, and we can't promise them they're going to beat out our guy. Right.
2: I mean, I I was just looking at our scholarship players, Nick Brahms, uh, Austin Troxel, Alec Jackson, uh, Killian Zaire, Brendan Coffey. I mean, these are all guys that are seniors and that, that they have lots of experience. And we even have, you know, a new guy, uh, Easton Harris coming in for our 2022 recruiting blast. And yeah, yeah, sure. We lost Brodarius Ham. He's going to the NFL draft. Um, Tayshawn Manning transferred to Kentucky, but we still have a few pieces, honestly, a lot more pieces than I thought we would on offensive line coming out of, of 2021. I thought we were just going to have a clean, fresh slate, completely new. And maybe there's something to be said for a clean slate of offensive line. But I think, like you said, th- there were good pieces on the offensive line at certain points in the year, especially in pass production or pass protection. Um, and, and I think Nick Bromson is a key part of that. And, you know, his leadership alone is going to help build that offensive line uh, and continue build it into something that, Honestly, kind of what I'm hoping is this next year we rely, we rely a little bit more on the run game. We'll see if that actually happens. I would love to see that, um, especially with how good Tank Bigsby is and Jarquez are, kind of that combo. Ooh, just give me more run. I would love
1: Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
2: Talk about one uh, one final thing, and, and this is kind of you know pretty relevant, with Alex, Mc, Alex McPherson uh, coming to Auburn as our kicker. Uh, and, and remember also Anders said he's coming back, which, you know, again, crazy that we have another guy that's using a COVID year, um, big, big key player. And honestly, that might be our biggest, you know, right now, uh, one of our bigger, you know, keeps for us, um, for this next year. But I just wanted to mention about, uh, Alex McPherson, uh, and, and I, I made this connection. It was just like last night. I, I saw Evan McPherson, Uh, who, you know, used to play at Florida. Um, Which team is he now playing for in the NFL? Who's that?
1: Mason played for, he plays for the Bengals.
2: Bengals, yeah. And didn't he just, yeah,
1: he made that game winning kick, right? He did. Yep. Sent them to the AFC championship game off of a game winning field goal.
2: Right. And, And it's just nuts that, you know, Alex and Evan are brothers. Like I made that connection. I was like, that's awesome. Like, it's another, you know, Daniel Carlson doing crazy things for the Raiders in the NFL. We have Anders Carlson still on our roster. And Alex McPherson coming in this next year. Um, I don't know. I just think yeah, that's kind of cool. Cool legacies to to look at um, that's for our very, kickers. That's
1: very cool. And he's I, – I believe Alex may be the number one high school kicker. So He was. Yeah. yeah. So, not only is his brother good, he apparently – was good I think he might be from Fort Payne Alabama he is yep yep so yeah that's cool I mean Anders basically sent the Raiders to the playoffs with a field goal yeah they got knocked out the next week but yeah this guy just sent his team to the uh, AFC championship game so yeah you're right that's good bloodline let's uh, let's capitalize on that
2: yeah definitely I mean there's there's a lot of good solid players uh, for this Auburn uh, special teams and uh, definitely looking forward to um, seeing how you know Anders Carlson he heals up from his ACL injury, and uh, I mean, I wouldn't shock me if Alec McPherson gets some of those, uh, some of those kicks as well this year, just to get him some experience. I agree. All right, Jared, I know we've talked a lot. We've talked a lot about re- you know, recruiting <laughs> to coaching changes, kind of how that affects us. I mean, it's been chaotic, and <laughs> uh, there's there was just a lot to talk about. Um,
1: any other final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I think uh, let's all, and and I panic too, let's all calm down when we see news, let it unfold and realize that there's still people we're going to be bringing in as well. So we're still going to field a team next year. We're still going to have some pretty talented players. Um, let's just, uh, let's enjoy Auburn basketball right now and, uh, you know, uh, hope for good things in football coming up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the... The way to kind of approach it right now, um, I mean, the way I'm I'm thinking about it is these these offseason coaching changes and especially now with the transfers, it's it's just the inevitability. Even if you're in Alabama or Georgia, you have players coming and going. And it, it's just the way that things are. It's kind of the new status quo. And honestly, I I love how Harson and his staff are approaching it. I mean, they, they seem to be going after the guys. You know, as soon as somebody hops in the transfer portal, it seems like we're at least reaching out. It seems like we're we're going after the key pieces that we need. Now it's just a matter of, especially on offense, filling the gaps, the offensive line, and a wide receiver. And well, then then one, I think we, we're in a better spot.
1: And one real quick thing, I know we got to get out of here, but you you made, you made me think of the thing with the portal. So we did just hire a guy from Minnesota who is like assistant player personnel, but he's also going to be in charge of the portal. Ooh, that's such a, I mean, so. Oh, so I think that's key. Like we got, like we're on top of it. Now we're not landing every guy we want. You got like two weeks to build a relationship. So everybody needs to realize that. But yeah, we have somebody who literally is going to be in charge of that, monitoring that, um, which I think is a good sign was my point.
2: No, 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 definitely a good, good point. Because I mean, I think with Harson, he's definitely kind of, bringing in the the pieces, especially, I don't even think we had a, like a transfer portal coordinator before. And, and now we do because we see that's such a key. I mean, some people might even argue a transfer portal is just as valuable as, you know, getting guys on a recruit, you know, as straight out of high school. Like it could be some of these yeah. guys coming out. They can make the, that impact, especially first year. And a lot of these transfers, especially now, have multiple years of eligibility it's not just oh you get the grad transfer that has one year left sometimes you have multiple years with these players um, yeah if you, absolutely. you treat them right so anyway jared before we get out of here how can the people stay in touch with you
1: uh you can just find me on facebook under my name jared davis
2: and uh you can find me on twitter at jay underscore it's always great to be an auburn tiger and war eagle
0: war eagle